Any questions? So what exactly is the Sandhik path? Open to the mother with the psychic attitude. Which means an attitude of faith, devotion and surrender. So there was one, the reason why I asked that question is one. Yeah, it's a very valid question. I read one of the articles from our speech from Nirodhvara to Auroville. He had gone to Auroville and given that. I remember one passage in it in, the, in which he had said that Sri Aurobindo has specifically said that in ashram you don't do your yoga, you just give me your bodies and I will do my yoga through your body. Is that the same thing? Well, it, it, it was in the ashram context because that time there was only the ashram. I suppose now it applies wherever and not suppose, actually mother has spoken about it that now the ashram has expanded. So the same principle applies everywhere. Whoever is, it's not expected that everybody will live in the ashram. But of course, Sri Bindo always recommended to return once a year or twice a year to the place of central influence. That Sri Bindo has said, so that you recharge yourself and then come back. And then live as if the mother is there all around. And yes, the yoga is done by the mother. That's there in the mother also. Everywhere is writings, the common refrain is, and that's why the mind and vitals should become quiet so that she can do the yoga. Absolutely true. It's the same thing said in another way. That you present yourself to the divine and he will do the yoga. It's, for many people it's difficult because, you know, as I said, that Japanese whom mother gave that uh, experience, he said, oh my God, I can't love my country anymore. <laughs> because many things will fall off. And sometimes we get so attached. There are people who are driven by kind of mental idealism. Who There are people who have gone away from the ashram because the pressure of transformation is so much. And sometimes when they are driven by a, you know, they can't think that the divine or the spiritual consciousness is anything more than moral and ideal, which for us is the highest. We cannot think that divine is something more than that. So when they encounter such things, they are not able to take it or understand it. And so they, they run away. They can't bear the pressure to change. And in them these things come because they have to get out of this. So there is a pressure on those parts. So in Ashram it is said that you, know, you encounter people and events which are needed for your progress. So somebody has a progress, let, has a problem, let's say at a physical level. Is very lazy and something. For some reason or the other, he'll be made to run very physically for something or the other because you have to get rid of that tamas. Somebody whose mind is very narrow and rigid will encounter people and situations where their mind will be challenged. So either they fall back onto that frame. Eventually, if the pressure is too much, some people actually go away. History of ashram is full of these sadhaks. Or another is that you suddenly... There is an opening and the mind enlarges and discovers a greater truth. So this is how the thing, the yoga takes place. What I mean by this is that though it is so simple as that, that you know, divine will do the yoga in us. But if we cling to our imperfections, divine will still keep pressing. And if we, you know, have really given it, time will come when it will fall off. Like a useless scale or appendage on the body. This is called divine appendicectomy. Sometimes it is also divine chapterectomy. 
not only appendix but chapter index all these you know of our book of life are removed which are no more necessary the old consciousness drops off but sometimes it becomes so painful then that you know uh, such people again impelled by the divine is like you stay away for some time then you will come back they are never lost to the path divine mother goes with them but it makes the path and journey so much more complicated so it's not enough to just be in the ashram you have to surrender that's what i mean there has to be faith devotion and surrender which nirodha may not have meant uh, said in the talk but it's understood he he must have meant it that be in the ashram and turn to the mother with faith surrender and devotion the rest will be done so that is an important qualification otherwise we will suffer because the pressure is there yes in the same context what is supramental man manifestation it just to make us a little more uh, <laughs> anyway that's another way to say it's truth consciousness so right now we are living in a world of ignorance and darkness and that's why we cannot understand the divine play and we cannot respond rightly to the divine force and when we cannot lead the divine life in all its fullness because you know life is imperfect now what supramental manifestation is, what we are living is a mental manifestation let's put it like that supramental manifestation means it will automatically bring the divine life so we will lead a truer and fuller life not withdraw from life but it will change its basis it will change the way we live it you know right now we live in in and by division we live by oneness and in oneness so that is the supramental manifestation but uh, the simplest route to it is by turning to the mother so she will bring the new manifestation in us the develop the new consciousness in us develop the faculties and the means to receive it but if we try it ourselves then it's very difficult because in fact shubhendra said it is impossible no human effort or endeavor can do it so supramental manifestation is there already it's active on earth that's what he says here but what is it doing preparing humanity to receive that light and grace unfortunately through a very because if, if supramental will act then it is truth consciousness that means even upheavals but when the grace acts it takes us through a much better way <laughs> in fact she takes it upon herself all the difficulties that will encounter in the change over it's happening all over absolutely without a doubt it's becoming more and more evident exactly for them he wants to bring the supramental down because he knows that he he didn't come just for a faithful few so he knew that you know humanity has to advance so um, having established the divine mother in our midst he was still concerned what about those who will still not awaken who will still not feel inspired who will not turn to the divine mother who will not read savitri not believe in it will remain hostile and dark even they have to be something has to be done for them they have also come from the divine shobinda speaks of that as one of the work of the avatar and he says purva deva those who were divine but uh, uh, gods but have fallen and become darkened beings they have to be converted vibhishna's story is a story of that it's a conversion of an asura if we look at it you know uh, directly he is born in asura with asuric propensities and he says that i am born with asuric propensities but the divine turns him changes him by bhakti and devotion so he knows that you know there will be sections of humanity which will not so for them the supramental but the way the ways of the supramental truth consciousness is can be very hard hitting 
which also be mother said that you know if you don't change your consciousness um, by choice then it will be thrust upon you by the power of crashing circumstances so that's not a good route to take but probably many will take that route yes i don't know if i'll be will not take the question here but um when you start walking in the sunlit park and uh, you know when you start offering every action to the mother so you tend to point in the mind but then how do you know whether whatever is the impulse which comes from inside is to how to act in a given situation so is it really coming from the mother or is it something you have articulated it very beautifully it's a problem of action that whether an action is coming from the divine or not this is as simple as that of course there is a way one can know the divine action always brings state of quietude oneness harmony it is never in agitation it does not make us excited agitated or creates division divine action is never with that as a general rule that's how mother has put it it always creates truth light harmony beauty because by its nature it comes from that peace whereas the other action which is an egoistic action creates more and more division and uh, all its consequences uh, but having said that she also says if you practice equanimity and in quietude look inside you will get a small little indication a sense of ease when you are taking a course or it uneasy inside and this happens as the psychic sense develops one begins to feel it rather than you know hear a voice or anything it's a feeling which gets confirmed by experiences you know that well i took that route it was not the right route but even if we can't do it so the simplest way is to act at least in the highest available consciousness at the moment which may be a consciousness in ignorance is most likely in that but in that whatever highest in my limited way i can think so or or understand so with that limited understanding and thought when we act but offer it to the divine then his knowledge overrules our nescience that's what he assures in savitri that he is there we we tell him well i we i don't understand i don't know what is the right thing to do but i i believe it is the right thing to do and we do it but i am leaving it to you you know what is the best thing i don't know it so you take care of the rest then what he will do is he will first first of all take us through whatever that action uh, its consequences are and he will help us grow through that and make us more conscious and show us exactly that well this action could have been done better in that way so this is how a constant growth will take place so we should not worry about it but the common thing is to learn to practice quietude because then the divine action will emerge more and more the less egocentric we become the more it is likely that we will be inspired by the divine afflatus and the divine breath will move us so the effort should be to get rid of egocentricity and make a life more and more divine centric which is a process yes so uh, in the very beginning uh, you told that to give to the mother consciously will you please explain more what is consciously see uh, actually surrender is a truth of life which we don't often observe it i'll give you a small little story uh, you know when there was a five day conference it's con- not conference series of talks same let's put it savitri talks but they were not savitri talks so um, there was a boy who was coming every day and on the fifth day his father also came 
So his father was a busy politician and he tells the speaker that, uh, you know, I'm sorry I didn't, you know, I couldn't make it because uh, first day I had a, you know, important engagement with my family. Second day, you know, my wife wanted to go. And third day I had a function like that, you know. But today I could find some time. My son has been telling, you know, that uh, it's, it's great listening. So I've come today. But tell me one thing, what is this surrender? So he asked this question. <laughs> so the speaker said something very nice. He said, well, you know it. What do you mean I know it? Every day you are surrendering. To whom? First day you surrendered to your relative. Second day to your wife. Third day to your own ego. So the same thing you have to now turn towards the divine. So basically, unconsciously, we are anyway surrendered to the complex play of forces of nature, which push and kick us all around. Say when we speak under an impulsion, we think it's me, but it's not me. It's a forces which are all around us. They make us speech, speak. They make us think and feel. You know, if we become conscious, we'll discover that certain feelings are arising in us which are not healthy. And as the yogin becomes more and more conscious, he immediately catches them. Look, it's coming from a very dark source. Sometimes ill wills, all kinds of things may happen. Impulsions, suggestions, impulses. And so as the consciousness expands, we become aware that this is not coming from the right source. And so instead of surrendering to that impulsion, we surrender to the Divine Mother and say, Mother, protect me. It's, it's not healthy, you know. These thoughts that are coming to me or this impulsion, protect me mother. So the more conscious we become and consciously surrender to her. Because even otherwise she will move us. But Sri says as you know we read now, but it's not the same thing as when she does it with our full ascent. Second problem is that when we don't do the surrender consciously, then every time the Divine Mother does something which to our ego sense may appear uh, even disastrous, I am taking an extreme situation, but sometimes not so disastrous, but not so pleasant. Then we will say, oh, why is mother doing this to me? But when we consciously surrender, we will be happy that yes, this was the challenge, this was my difficulty and mother is doing this to me, precisely to get me out of this mess in which I am in. So that's why conscious surrender makes us conscious also of the divine action in us. And then things that normally would depress us, make us feel rejoiced that, ah, so wonderful that the mother took away from me that bond which I could not break by my own hands. But if you have not consciously surrendered and the Divine Mother breaks a bond, then we say, oh mother, you are very cruel. So, you know, it closes the door to her work because the moment we say that, see, even a human mother, when we say this, she will say, what to do with, with this child now? So, when we say, you are very cruel, Lack of trust, then she withholds. Unless some people she has chosen and she will say, okay, you call me cruel, doesn't matter. Nevertheless, I'll snatch you and take you towards. That she will do to some. But there are very few to whom the mother works like that. With most of the people, by our attitude, we close the door. And then it becomes, unfortunately, a uh, self-defeating vicious cycle. So we close the door saying that, oh, I trusted you and see what happened, my leg is fractured. So then we have closed the door. Now this fracture becomes more complicated. By the time we come out of the hospital, we say, Ki, oh, what is the use? I don't know. They say in yoga, you are protected. The, all kinds of stupid thoughts will come. But look, you know, I had my fracture. Then you will remember five more people who had fractured. Then you will remember also two more who died young. 
and then your mind will be full of doubts why because now we have closed and the more we close the more we are not able to see the divine action and eventually the person strays now take the other scenario leg is fractured and the person is in the hospital says perhaps mother wants me to be here i have been too restless chatpat fellow running here and there she she wants me to be here and just think of her so she have forcibly broken my leg and brought me here <laughs> sit here you idiot and think about me so let me spend that time thinking about her now it heals better now every time i see you know <laughs> fract no it's not a good thing to for things to fracture <laughs> but when we see this happening we we what what perception we will have we will say oh we should be more conscious if we are more conscious then perhaps we can avoid a problem or an accident a new light will emerge then when we see somebody dying young we will say oh this is how the his soul chose for it because a new set of light will begin to show the same thing in a new way so when we are conscious we open more and more to the light of truth and life begins to change and when we are not conscious then we close ourselves more and more and darkness immediately rushes in to occupy the fields of god and that's the problem thank you so yeah whenever we eat outside food how we can make that like prasad all food is outside food unless you eat in the ashram i'm sorry i didn't mean it that way <laughs> but in the in the ashram context it is like that this word outside food is typically an ashram context in ashram when people went out then shrivind would say you must have had food outside because you know this food uh, contains mother's force in it but other way is that well to make it prasad is simply to offer it to the divine which is part of our culture we have been brought up in that that before we eat before we sleep before we do anything we should offer it to the divine so what the divine does he comes if we do it sincerely so he will remove all the bacteria viruses it's his job job description of the divine <laughs> so he removes all that takes the poison like shiva inside him and turns it into amrit so we have the amrit and he takes the poison it's his old job very very bad you know but what to do he is doing it he is taking it upon himself and so the only thing we can do is to feel grateful that is what he is doing so offer it to the divine outside or inside or wherever and uh, take the rasa and the taste but do not eat for the sake of pleasure this is the other thing mother used to say enjoy the food and its taste we are not expected to not know the difference between karela bhaji and uh, uh, what was it cauliflower no ha ah, nothing personal about it but <laughs> and mix together and you know no it's not that we we know the difference but don't be overwhelmed ah rasmalai must i must eat uh, three of them i am putting the limit as two no no enjoy one is good enough know the difference yeah don't be overwhelmed but at the same time know the difference between rasmalai and karela so this is the basic thing that we must not sirbindu says in a letter equanimity does not mean a blurring of distinctions or a fresh indifference it is rather knowing the true value of each things and putting it in its just place it's all right to relish the rasmalai when you are eating it it's not all right when we are sitting in a meeting like this and thinking when will dinner be served what is the menu that dolidi has made 
because then it's a uh, misuse of consciousness you know ritchit must show us where each thing belongs so when we are eating we should eat and enjoy it and offer it to the divine but to be all the time thinking about food thinking about you know how to prepare it what is to be done what are we going to have in the afternoon what will we have at night that is not a healthy preoccupation so these are some of the ways by which we can make food food into prasad yes how this transformation is happening in different parts of the world yes yes of course it is yes we can see that i mean the changes if we see last 50 years are unprecedented this much we nobody can deny with you know if we look the world before 1950 and the world after that there is a changed world altogether and changing at a rapid pace exponential pace so those who are conscious of the divine or who know those who are conscious of the divine let's say they will say that behind all this is the divine play those who are conscious of the teachings of shurbindu and the mother would say that it is the supramental action upon earth particularly because mother mentioned few things which will happen as a result of the supramental pressure and we can actually see them happening so they will say yes it is the action of the supramental pressure those who are purely materialist they will say well there are material causes behind whatever is happening and those who are illusionist they will say it doesn't matter change what change it's all maya so each one will interpret in their own way but if you ask me well because uh, i am conversant with mother and shubindo's teachings and what they have said i would definitely say that it is the action of supramental upon earth and there are many indicators of it but i am not going into it because it's a long it's a subject in itself many indicators the upheavals the changes <laughs> we witness yes Hmm. Yes, everywhere in child, in ladies, in men, in in animals, in um, in gods, in demons, in the world politics. Did you imagine some time back that uh, you know <laughs> my favorite subject, not favorite, but one of the things that in India suddenly you will have a sannyasi become the, become a minister, a chief minister. I mean, is it uh, something normal? it's happening it is fact i mean we have read about it that in the age of satyog and sanyasis could become kings we have read about it but we are witnessing it and witnessing it despite all the oppositions of the media and everybody so it's obviously it's not something normal and whether we like it or not it's happening many such things women becoming freed first of the clutches of men then they have to be freed from slavery to themselves which is also happening old institutions are breaking down because they have outlived their purpose the truth is being released so many people think that nowadays living in well living in is in a sense truer because you know marriages were often done because somebody saw the match and you got married you may never love a person and still you are carrying on so it was not based on truth it was a contract an obligation social legal or religious whatever it is now if you love if you feel companionship and the spirit of togetherness you live together so the truth has been released this not for children <laughs> this was by the way a ploy to draw their attention 
But anyways, the thing is that the truth is being released. So what I am saying is not that don't marry. I am saying if you marry, let it be with love. Let there be love in the heart. What is more important is not marrying or not marrying. Not love or arranged marriage. You know, I have to have my dinner also. So, <laughs> the important thing is love. So, treat love as something sacred. That's what I am saying. The essence of it is that it's not about relationship or marriage or institution or love marriage or arranged marriage or anything. If you love somebody, even if it is love marriage, treat it as sacred. Don't that today I have loved, tomorrow I have dated, third day I have gone around the market, around the trees, fourth day market and fifth day courts, court and lawyers. That's not a, not a good sign. If you have to separate, separate without needing to resort to law. Would anybody put a price tag on your love? Oh, I have loved you and I have lived with you so long, so you must give me so much money. Is it something high and noble? If you separate, well, life, sometimes one separates. What is there? Do it with the spirit of love. Not that, you know, oh, I want to separate because my ego is hurt. No. I give you the freedom to live your life your way. What a wonderful thought it would be. But here we separate to snatch my freedom that I want to lead my wayward ways. No. I set you free because setting somebody free is the last act of love. And yet I continue to love without any ill will, malice, which is more difficult to carry on just as an institution or to develop this energy inside, the energy of love, to purify it, to transmute it, to uplift it, sublimate it by offering to the divine. So the now in today's time, the old institution is gone, but this energy is being liberated. So nowadays what happens? Initially it was very painful, but now many people say, okay, we agree to part and they continue to love each other and respect each other. So there is an evolution taking place. And that's how we should now flow with that new mantra of time, new consciousness. I'm not saying that, you know, one should marry like cattle and uh, cats and dogs and... No, it's not about that at all. In fact, that was the old institution. That a boy must find a convent-educated fair-skinned and, you know, what all, God knows, salaried and all grassed and ghungat and uh, skirt and everything at the same time. And what does, was the woman looking for? For a fat purse in the pocket. After that, he could be an idiot. As long as he brought the jewelry and money home. This is not marriage. This is falsehood. Let us accept it. Okay, it is a training ground if you take it rightly that okay, I'll train myself, accept it as the will of God and endure. It's alright. That's a different story altogether. But the basis is not true. And today is the age of truth. So basis has to be truth. And what is the truth of a relationship? It is love. So keep that truth. Whether you are married or not married, love. Don't cease to love. Love everybody who comes into your life and love them truly. This is the path, not selfishly. Yes, please. My next question is about how fast should one travel on the path? Because and the, more, the more one tries to be fast, the slower it becomes. Yeah. Fast implies impatience. Fast implies lack of trust in God. Fast implies trying to take a shortcut. It's dangerous. 
and mother has told about it several times the intensity of effort she says in one of her prayers puts a veil between you and the divine intensity of our effort so and there is a famous story zen story and mother has recounted it in her own way that somebody says that you know i want to go very fast on the path so mother says then i told him then it will take much longer fast also implies a lack of trust the moment you know it's not you who is traveling but it's her journey she is carrying now of course there is a thin line between falling indolent and indulgent oh then i have to do nothing that tamas she is not talking of that but to know that i am doing whatever i have to do there is a part that i have to do there is a part that the divine has to do let's make it very simple what is my part to give myself to the divine so my focus should be what is that i have not yet given to the divine when i will reach is whose part her part i should not switch roles you know that shobindo has recounted this re-recounted this story of shri ramakrishna about the bhakta and the gyani and gyani wants to go faster and faster and narada tells him that i have talked to lord and lord says that uh, you know three more lives for you to realize the divine is oh my god three more lives of tapasya gets up and walks away he says let me enjoy this life next life i'll do then the bhakta he says hari has said that you see how many leaves are there on this tree ha countless after those many lives you will realize the divine so bhakta starts dancing oh hari has said he will come he is dancing in joy and the divine manifest so shubindo says that i do not agree that you should wait for many lives he says that but the truth of the story holds that do not be impatient he will reveal himself in his own way in his own time that is his problem so we should not monitor ourselves because monitoring also becomes something which is from the ego the only thing i have to see is how much i have given myself and how much i am not that in one's own in sincerity one will see that there is plenty of things one has not given and the goal perhaps could be i'm just saying arbitrarily one goal there could be many ways of looking at it that if in my each breath and each thought and each feeling and each heartbeat i can give myself to the mother then i would feel i have done my bit the rest is her lookout whether she reveals doesn't reveal whether we reach not reach it's her problem why should i worry my head with her problem <laughs> so that's how it is much better so when we want to walk fast that's when we risk stumbling some people start doing very unnatural things you know they will start stop speaking they will start you know sometime when the vital is very crude ascetic ways have their meaning you know they will suddenly uh, get cut off and you know start behaving weirdly but what happens is that while temporarily it helps but after some time this part which of nature which is not worked upon will hit back so might as well when you are going through it go through it in the right way otherwise it will hit hit back because it's remain remains untransformed we are trying to find a shortcut and escape so when it hits hits back later on it becomes a big difficulty and this has happened in ashram context we see it and of course in the context of yoga yes please um, most but most religions talk about fasting and you know Get, I mean, definitely making ourselves uncomfortable. Most religions talk about that. So, what do you? Hinduism doesn't talk about it, though Hindus fast so much. Uh, yes, 
I don't know about, um, of course, in I I've heard, I have read the Quran and Bible, but uh, um, at least the New Testament doesn't speak about fasting. Uh, Quran, there is a story that, you know, somebody fasted. In Hinduism, the Vedas, the Upanishads and the Gita doesn't talk about fasting. In fact, the Gita says avoid extremes. I don't know where this thing came up. I think in olden times, women wanted to, you know, diet or their husbands wanted them to diet. And, you know, they conspired with the priest and told them, we'll give you a fat purse. You please tell her to fast in the name of God. Fasting does nothing except, you know, um, increasing the vital energy because then the vital begins to feed upon the body. And uh, after initial few times, uh, fasting becomes an art. You feel more energetic, actually. And the second it does is gives us a false feeling that I'm doing something. So it's not necessary, you know, fasting for God. As if God is very happy if we are fasting. He'll feel miserable if he sees us starving. Does a mother ever like to see her son starving? Ask any mother, we are all, you know, mothers and fathers, many of us. If a child doesn't eat one day, the mother is so miserable, tells the doctor, you know, he doesn't eat properly. How can the Divine Mother be happy <laughs> if she sees her children are fasting? So that's what Sri is saying, that this is not the route to be taken. And actually, this route is nowhere described. In Hinduism, I have not seen, you know, of course, there is something called, a, let's say in Jaina. Now, you know, when you walk the path and you are so preoccupied, Let's say somebody like Mahavira is walking the path. It doesn't matter, you know, whether he's wearing a cloth or not, whether he's, you know, eating or not eating. It's irrelevant. Now, that is not fasting which has led him. But because of the urge and aspiration towards Kevalya, things drop away. That's a different thing altogether. But it should not be, it's, it does not work the other way around. Many things may drop off our nature very naturally and spontaneously. So, if it drops off, I'm not saying that food should drop off like that, but if certain things like, you know, greed drops off, very good. But unnatural efforts to fast, not good. They titillate the vital, that's all. <laughs> you will learn best from him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. Yes, yes, sir. Is it possible that when you fast, you reach quickly? <laughs> you reach quickly but whether you reach to the divine abode or a self-constructed illusory heaven that's the question you do reach some people who keep fasting start having hallucinations but <laughs> whether they really reach <laughs> but it's a good good question we have to ask those who reached definitely after a while they reach um, the samshan ghat for sure but <laughs> Many times it makes the ego very strong. You know, some people take great pride in saying, you know, I can fast. 20 days I can fast. It's okay if you fast. There are so many poor people who, poor fellows are fasting since, you know, they were kids. Nothing special about it. So that's what we should be careful. That was a different thing. He was doing it as an experiment to see whether the body can continue without feeding on the inconscient and drawing energy directly. And he saw it is possible, but it does not, you know, the flesh does not get replaced. That's why he gave up. Same thing with mother. Mother also gave up after 10 days. And that's why they said, and we read here today, we have tried all methods, but we don't want you to take that route. Because that's not the route humanity should take. What is important at our level and always it will be, don't be very greedy or indulgent. Don't think only about food.
डिपेंड्स नो नो इट डिपेंड्स इट डिपेंड्स इफ यू टॉक अ मेडिकली it depends not all fasting is good for health not all kinds of fasting is good for health for health best is moderation and a good diet so no 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 we tell me one doctor ask any cardiologist somebody who technically recommends fasting as good for health yes in fact many doctors will recommend take small amount more frequent than nobody recommends fasting is good for health fasting is not good for health but what is good is yes moderation don't be a glutton definitely not if you can have healthy food like fruits and vegetables very good take it with a sprinkling of salt and you know that's what is important but fasting is not recommended you know medically not recommended spiritually not recommended in jainism the fasting is okay but there is another tap which is unodari eating less is much better than yeah and more importantly see coming to religions you know that original i feel religions have lost their way the reason is they have gone so much focused on the externals and they missed the point what is the point as i said look at mahavir he is mighty when i look at you know the image that's why he is mahavir he doesn't care actually if you ask him are you fasting or say i don't care if somebody asked him are you fasting he would say i don't care whether i eat or die don't eat If you ask the Buddha that you know what are you doing? You are sitting in meditation. He said, "Who said I am sitting in meditation? I am consumed by this fire. That what is the way out of suffering?" And that's what we find in Shurbindo that he brings out the essence and places before us and drops the externals. Externals are irrelevant. How many people have reached Kavalya by fasting? How many? There are millions of followers of Buddha, Buddhist. You know, I have been to Bodh Gaya, chanting and all this. Dukan is there. How many have really developed that calm wisdom of Buddha? Because we have focused on the externals. So all these religions have lost their way, have become dated. And let us release the inner truth, inner truth of Mahavira, of Buddha, of Rama, of Krishna, of Ramkrishna Paramahansa, Vivekananda. Is the fire, the aspiration which consumed them, that nothing could stand in the way. That's what we have to become. That fire, the Mahavir, the world itself. Yeah, it it has got a another meaning also. Ma is negative. No, I is yes positive. Vir is something powerful. So many yes. He is neither powerful nor without powerful. So it has got. Something like consciousness or something like. So many ways, but important thing now is that let us focus on. how to discover that myself it doesn't matter see there's so many scriptures so many ways so many things i know people in whom gita is kanthast who will recite every shloka and every day they will sit and read the gita and the ramayana it's common sight in hindu household and while they are reading the shloka of the gita sarva dharman ka parityaja and suddenly you know the gwala comes the dud wala comes wait wait tell him don't what is this So let us be done with these, you know, hypocrisies and falsehoods and what mother has used one word, insincerities. It is better to do whatever we are doing with the consciousness of truth and sincerity. It doesn't matter if we have not read a single scripture in the world. 
But what matters ultimately counts is the sincerity in the heart. And I have seen so many people who have turned towards spiritual life and reached somewhere. They had not read about any scriptures or religions or anything. We don't have to depend on that. But they somewhere wanted something other than what is there. And that helps. Most often they're not. Uh, what my reading is, and I think the children realize it these days, religion has become a bar. Like, you know, Shivinda said, ego was the helper, ego is the bar. I would say religion was the helper, religion is the bar. Because it prevents you from going beyond. It somehow ties us to the boundary and for some reason we are not able to enter into that vastness where it is meant to lead us. We end up again and again with the same formula, the same rituals and we are not able to, you know, let's say we worship Krishna, we establish him in the you know, temple. But where do we discover the Krishna who is, how many people can say that they had even a glimpse of the Vishwa Virat, you know, seeing him, Arjuna would say that, you know, Purusho Purano, Na Ado Na Adi Na Anto. That is what we should aspire for. And that is the core of all religions. So let's be done away with the trappings. And I tell you, very often people ask this, you know, religions in their own way. I tell you, they religions people are the most difficult nuts to crack. They don't want to, you know, um, progress because they believe that they know everything because they have read a scripture. But uh, in the so they should be left to themselves. If they have to find the way, most likely they will have to go through a phase of agnosticism. Otherwise, they are locked in a boundary wall from which it is very difficult to come out. So, they should be left faithfully to follow their own religion <laughs> wherever it, it takes them. Even if it is some Jannat with some 70 Virginians, it's <laughs> leave them to their fate. But uh, excuse me, in the Pran Pratishta Murti, what they do, rituals. Are this is the real real prana here and this is the temple, first temple of the Lord. The second temple, the universe. Let here be the pratishtha. Let all the gods awaken in our human body. Let ego be dethroned and in its place let there be the divine whom we worship every day with aspiration and faith and put ourselves at his feet, the divine beloved. Then we don't need to go anywhere. So these are all second-hand things helpful for humanity at a primitive stage for of evolution. When mankind grows further, why does he need temple and churches? And certainly not the mosques. So, you know, he should be... <laughs> <laughs> no, it has begun. One can see. See, the mosques have obviously finished their work. They become, all of them become more or less, you know, uh, where uh, the evil and the devil is sitting and guiding and misguiding. The churches have become empty. Much of Europe. They become, you know, places for social convention. Mandirs have become meeting points for, you know, complain. Thus, the mother-in-laws will complain about their daughter-in-laws. In... <laughs> You know, when standing before Shivji, they will be talking, you know, my daughter-in-law, he says, Are, my daughter-in-law is even worse. The daughter-in-law is in the same mandir. They are also finding a quiet spot near Hanumanji. And they are saying, see, you know, this lady, you know, she is wearing that sari. As she says, her husband doesn't, she must be having a lot of money, black money, you know. This is, is it mandir? I'm, am I not speaking a truth? Wearing dresses and then a gaudy display of, you know, who is more richer. 
do we really believe God will uh, or Hanuman ji will if he comes with his gada I tell you you know <laughs> we'll all run away <laughs> so they have outlived their purpose so let us go to the essential as they say back to the basics and the basics is aspiration let us awaken the fire of Mahabira the might of Buddha the love that we see embodied in Krishna and Chaitanya, the intense surrender and devotion and faith of Ramakrishna, the, the Christ who, who is so much compassion that he can forgive everybody from the cross. Let us develop those essential elements, then we will have no issues and no fights <laughs> because. Within us, Christ, Krishna and Buddha dwell together in perfect peace and harmony. <laughs> Outside their devotees fight. <laughs> Let them fight. <laughs> okay, so I think this is a good point to stop.